Communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome everyone to episode 98 of Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Peter Viox, and please allow me to introduce my co-host, Mr. Rick Villanueva. Hello, everybody. Reporting from very cold and very wintry Echo Base on the outskirts of um Hoth Chicago region. I don't know. I didn't have a follow-up plan for that. Uh how is everybody? Happy Star Wars Day <laughs> to the galaxy. Happy Star Wars Day to you, my friend Pete. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. And happy Star Wars Day to you and to all of our friends and listeners out there. But let's not forget our other co-host. Sitting in the chair just to my left, please allow me to introduce the one, the only, Miss Eden Gray. Hello there. <laughs> Two hello there's. You know, <laughs> we are also in the midst of some Hoth-like weather. Actually, my I remember looking at the Star Wars app yesterday and it said it's like Scipio. And um, it is, it's been in the 20s, the teens down here. We had a really nasty ice storm, which... I'm sure if you watch the national news, a lot of the states have been having a lot of snow and a lot of ice. Knocked our power out, man. I mean, Whoa. yeah, it was... Uh, I I hadn't noticed until today. I have several very large pine tree limbs down from one of the trees on my in my yard. So that's going to be fun. Once, once it's not frozen solid, we'll get to work. <laughs> so April... April, that'll get taken care yeah, of. Yeah, it's been. This is Kentucky, man. It'll be like <laughs> in three weeks from now. We'll be done. Yeah, but then, <laughs> but then we'll have another ice storm. That's what it, the way it is here. Who knows? Who knows? There's always there's always one late season storm that just fucks up everything. And it's usually right about the time of my birthday. Yeah, so that's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> you know, speaking of your birthday, do you remember I told you that I had a uh, figure coming your way? It was um, a Moff Gideon figure. I uh, seem to recall something. It's not like I wrote it down on the calendar or anything, but uh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to need you to um, postpone your birthday until May 16th because it got delayed. Oh my God. It got delayed. <laughs> uh, you know, no, that I'm going to have two. I'm just going to have two birthdays this year, but e each one counts for a half a year because I'm not aging another year, even though 2020, I think, aged me another year. It aged me a few years. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay, guys. So we're going to go ahead and give you guys a spoiler warning. This episode, as you saw from the title and the show art, 
we are going to be talking about Justina Ireland's A Test of Courage, a High Republic middle grade novel. And uh, instead of just kind of giving you guys a spoiler warning in the middle of the show, it could come up at any moment. So if you haven't read it, go ahead and go to the store, go pick it up, and then come back and watch and listen to the show, and then we can all have a good time together. But with that, what do you guys say that we kind of do this the same way that we always do? Let's talk about our weeks in Star Wars. Who wants to go first? I want to talk about my week in Star Wars. Go for it. Um, I st- you know, it involves Star Wars The Old Republic um, online, as usual. And I started a new Jedi character, and it's really fun. She's real fun. And I made some bad decisions and some some good, some light decisions, <laughs> and then some dark ones. I ended up with a dark Jedi lightsaber, but it's like secret. That's what it's called. It's like what the item is called in my inventory. It's called a dark Jedi lightsaber? Yeah. Oh, that's... I can I can just feel everybody cringing listening know, right? to that. Like I actually felt the hair stand up on the back of my neck. I, like my back is arched like a cat is threatened <laughs> right now. I know, but it looks like a normal lightsaber. Like the the whole scene with getting the lightsaber put together was so cool. But I used parts from a bad guy. So uh, and like secret knowledge that he gave me about lightsabers. But the the crystal is still blue, and um, that's a little frustrating. But I haven't quite figured out how to use the... As a free player, you only get one, like, crafting ability. And I had to make sure I picked the one that allows me to process crystals to to change them to add to my lightsaber. Because you can't just, like, toss a crystal into your lightsaber, even though I've got, like, 15 red crystals. They've got to be, like, crafted a certain way. And then you can use it and... It's been a little adventure. So I'm like level 15 now. So that's nice. fun. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, I played the Jedi Path once and the story is pretty good. Are you still in part one or the prologue? I have no idea, but I just got to Coruscant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Keep us updated on this uh, because the Old Republic rocks and not a lot of people play it. And uh, let us know your adventures, because that is interesting. Your your dark Jedi items. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Anything else? Nope. What about you, Rick? What's your week been like? It's been a busy one. Um, outside of, you know, trudging around in the snow and uh, perfecting my, my snow penmanship, if you catch my drift. Um, you know, it's uh, there's been a lot. And, um, I, I, I mean, I had to write it all down. Like every day it seemed like there was something else that came up. So let's just start, um, wherever the hell I feel like starting. So this week, my, um, my uh, autographed copy of Into the Dark came in, um, signed obviously by Claudia Gray. So a big shout out to, uh, her local bookstore, Octavia Books down in New Orleans, who, um, you know, she signs books regularly there. Um, so people, if you're interested in ordering, especially like pre-order stuff, it's easier to get things, um, personalized. You can do that. Um, it just, when you're going through the ordering process, you, you have to request an autograph. Like there isn't just a box for like a separate autographed book, like as a, you know, like as its own item, you have to request the autograph. So, um, that came in this week and I'm super stoked that that came in. Um, they also, I don't know if you remember when those promo boxes were going out for the high Republic stuff, uh, for review, it had um, like yeah, like the uncorrected uh, copies of the first three books, and like the comic previews, and then there was a little like a light up pin um, that was in there. Um, so Octavia Books sent out pins 
That's it says uh, Jedi of the High Republic on it. It's white with the gold lettering, and it kind of nice. lights and flashes up and stuff like that. So that yeah. was kind of a little unexpected surprise. So that was that was kind of nice um, that they threw that in there too. Um, so that came in. Uh, obviously, went to the comic book shop this week and uh, picked up the new pools. So I think it was uh, Vader number ten. And what else? Uh, they had my copy of Insider 200, which I finally have an Insider issue. I did not have nice. 199, so I was able to read part two of um, Charles Soule's Get to or Go Together. Get Together. Oh boy, um, Go Together. Oh, I still haven't read that. Shoot. I'm yeah, both both slacking. both of those parts kind of act like a, like a prologue and an epilogue to um, Light of the Jedi because um, mm-hmm. there's characters that are in those books. So I'm um, very short, very fun. Um, so did that. Um, let me see. Uh, yesterday, I decided to go ahead and just reread uh, A Test of Courage since we were going to be doing this today. So, and it honestly got like it feels like it's been a long time since I read it the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, you know, to like brag or boast, maybe we, but we had those review yeah, copies yeah, early. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I'm, I'm throwing shit at you, Pete, but, uh, but um, yeah, no, I mean, it was. Um, you know, it was fun to kind of revisit that, and we'll get into all of that in um, just a little bit. So last week, I think it was um, our friends over at Blue Bantha Milk put on this production of episode 10 as written by Artificial Intelligence. They fed in the scripts what? for the saga. They had Artificial Intelligence write up a script for um, their episode 10, and they got a cast of friends together to read this thing, um, like Alex and Molly Damon from Star Wars Explained. Um, Nikki and Charlie and um, Claire from the Imperial Senate podcast, um, the guys from uh, Broaxium, a few others, obviously, Matt and Sean from Blue Bantha Milk, and they read this screenplay on their YouTube channel. Um, you can find them. It's uh, Blue Bantha Milk Co. Uh, on YouTube. And it, oh, and I'm sorry, uh, Laura and Alice from, from Forest Toast are also involved with this. And they each had different parts. They, you know, did voices and their own kind of like mouthy, Sound effects. Um, it's goofy. It is insane at parts. It is one of the wildest things um, that I've come across in a long time in the name of Star Wars. And I recommend you go see, go, go watch this thing. Okay. It's a little over an hour long. Um, this part of it, part two, as this episode comes out, will be out. Um, I, it, I think they're doing it um, again. We're kind of past future thing here. It is as we're recording, it's going to be released tonight, Saturday, but since the episode is out probably Tuesday, it will already have been out. They've been getting picked up by a bunch of um, like entertainment websites, um, kind of reporting on this thing just because it is, it's goofy and it's silly. Um, there's some new characters that are involved. Um, that sounds like so much fun. It is. It's, it's so much fun. I've, you know, it's hilarious. It, Laura, I'm sorry. Alice plays a character named Jessica, the Jedi. <laughs> Who I don't want to say too much about it if you haven't seen it or listened to it. It's hilarious. You get you just go and do that. It's like a little over an hour, hour and a half. Um, it was a lot of fun. So I'll go to that. It was a great time. And a shout out to uh, Blue Bantha Milk for putting the whole thing together. And um, they're also going to be hashtag making Solo Two happen in the uh, in the same vein, having AI write a script for Solo Two uh, at some point in the next couple of months or pretty soon. So yeah, go check those guys out. It's a lot of fun. Um, but a couple of other things that happened in this week in Star Wars for us. Um, let's see. So Isaac's birthday was this past Monday and, um, you know, he got showered with gifts and we did a, like a zoom call with a bunch of family from all over the place. And, um, you know, we, we got a box in the mail from, uh, from our, our, our dear friends up uh, Pete Needham. 
And uh, so Isaac was very thrilled to get his his Grogu Funkos. And, um, you know, he did say thank you. Obviously, you know, we I sent you the text and everything, Pete. But, um, you know, that was, so that was part of our collecting since everything Isaac owns, I owned until he's 18. <laughs> so I got two Grogu, uh, Grogu Funkos. Um, so that was fun. And, um, you know, I think uh, lastly, we uh, just yesterday got a very sweet couple of Valentines from Dear Eden. So thank you oh, for yay. those. They um, made it. It was kind of a, yeah, it was a nice little cap around the week. And uh, Valentine's Day, again, as we're recording is tomorrow. And uh, happy Valentine's Day, guys. Speaking of Valentine's Day, I was just browsing StarWars.com. And there's a Valentine's Day gift guide. Do you want to say something, Peter, before I talk about this? Because it's ridiculous. No, go ahead. I, I need some ideas for things to buy myself for Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a bubblegum hot pink Darth Vader holding a heart box. Oh, it's a pop. It's a pop. Like, are you kidding me? Why does this exist? It's so, so awful. (laughs) Yeah. It looks like somebody, like, threw a bunch of Pepto-Bismol into a Darth Vader mold. It does. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's matching Grogu and Mandalorian. Um Candy boxes, heart-shaped boxes. They look like they're like little stainless steel tins. It's just okay. You can sell anything with Grogu on it. Yeah, they they had those at my comic book shop last mm-hmm. week, and even Isaac was like, "What are these?" <laughs> <laughs> and it just gets more interesting. Next is a workout set, like like a ladies' crop top and leggings with Grogu and hearts. Uh. It's cute, but why? The world is so strange now. And my personal (laughs) favorite. Okay, I mean, there are Grogu socks. There's this weird bouquet thing. There's some Han and Leia, I love you, I know stuff. Um, Crap like that. But the real winner is this t-shirt that says, you're the Obi-Wan for me. (laughs) It's got Ewan McGregor with this glorious hair. He looks oh, it's, like Jesus. It's got General Jesus Kenobi <laughs> on there. Yeah, that's great. It's beautiful. <laughs> that, that's pretty funny. I want it in my life. Oh, it's from Hot Topic. What kind of world are we living in? That's so weird. You can get something like this at Hot Topic these days. Anyway, I this it made me it made me giggle and smile <laughs> quite a bit, so I had to share. Nice. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll include links to that. And also the the blue bantha milk. Um, production that you were telling us about, Rick. Those will all be in the show notes, guys. Um, as far as my week in Star Wars, it's been pretty bare. Um, honestly, you pretty much covered it, Rick. I, too, got uh, Darth Vader number 10. And actually, a couple weeks ago, I did get my uh, issue 200 of Star Wars Insider. And um, we'll have to compare our covers because I think you and I, if you buy your uh, comic shop, direct it's different from the subscription cover so we'll have to we'll have to text each other i want to see what you got um it is also available at my comic shop i did see that and uh yeah guys if you like the high republic i do want to i want to suggest that you read those uh preludes they're pretty cool uh two characters that you get to know in light of the jedi and uh we'll just kind of leave it at that um since today is the the day of test of courage spoilers and not light of Jedi spoilers. Although, you know what? Let's just go ahead and throw that in there today that there's going to be light of the Jedi spoilers as well. In case we want to compare and contrast 
mm-hmm. uh, the other High Republic stories. So cool. Very quickly, but if I, if I can interrupt you, I, there's something that I forgot to bring up last week, and I can't believe I forgot to bring it up again just a minute ago. Um, but again, you know, my, so my shop, they pull kind of random Star Wars stuff for me if they come in, and somebody, I guess, dropped off the, to sell um, an old copy of, uh, I think it's like Super Marvel, I don't know, but it's like an oversized reprinting of Empire Strikes Back from 1980 or 81, I forget what it is, but it's like Marvel Super something or other number 16 from back then. Um, so I have the return of the Jedi version of that now and the empire strikes back one. And apparently there is no, a new hope version of the same story from back in 77. There is a reprinting, but it's, it's on, it's a different header. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got curious and looked the thing up on eBay and kind of what it, what kind of value it holds or what it would sell for, which I don't have any plans on selling it, but, uh, it's pretty pricey and, and they gave it to me at the shop for a very, very reasonable price. But I am kind of stoked to have that. It's in a hard plastic shell because it's not in the greatest of shape. Like the cover's a little loose, like it might rip off the spine. But I can't believe almost two weeks I forgot to mention that thing. But I am stoked to have it because it is that reprinting of um, Empire Strikes Back in like a like a magazine size. So Very, very cool. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Those are super cool items, man. Nice, nice, nice grabs. You always get such... Great items, man. You're, I, I look forward to hearing your week in Star Wars more than I like talking about my week in Star Wars. It's always good stuff. I feel the exact same because I'm like, yeah, you know, I, mean, I got stuff, but I'm like, you're always finding those old Power of the Force figures with goofy sayings that sound like, you know, trying to order, you know, Chicken McNuggets at the drive-thru or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? With their contact sayings. And uh, yeah, yeah, so I mean, I, jealousy works both ways, I suppose. We we approach our fandom and are collecting from very different places. And that, that keeps it very interesting. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Well, with that out of the way, we got a little bit of news to talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, something's happened this week, but we're going to start off with something. Uh, okay. So we talk about a lot of books on the show and, uh, anybody who does listen regularly is no stranger to that fact. Now we're amidst all of this high Republic stuff. That's, uh, rolling out from here until the end of time, apparently. Um, there are still, you know, Star Wars canon books that are existing outside of the High Republic coming out. Namely, uh, next month's Alphabet Squadron Victory's Price by Alexander Freed. Um, there have been two excerpts that have been released so far in the last few weeks. I read the first one, um, not the second one. We're not going to talk anything that's in those excerpts right now because I know, Pete, I don't think you've finished um, Shadowfall just yet? I'm working on it. Yeah. Okay. Th- thank you. Yeah. So there are some things in these excerpts that if you haven't finished uh, Shadowfall, um, I don't want to say that they're spoilery, but they're like, you might not understand the context of exactly what's going mm-hmm. on. So um, okay. I highly recommend Shadowfall. I really enjoyed the book. It does, it gets, uh, it gets into some things towards the end. Um, but as of right now, there are two excerpts for a victory's price coming out. And, the second excerpt, I believe, was released on, um, I could be mistaken, it might, it might have been io9, but it also includes um, an audio excerpt um, that's going to be uh, part of the audio book, and uh, this book is being read by January Lavoie, cool. who, again, is no, no stranger to um, Star Wars audiobooks. Um, so uh, Victory's Price, again, will come out, I believe it's March 2nd, so just a couple of weeks away for that. And, um, shortly after that, we got another Thrawn book coming out. So, but we haven't heard any press as far as, um, excerpts for that just yet. So, um, you know, still 
some more other books besides the High Republic on the horizon. Um, something really kind of small I wanted to mention in regards to the High Republic. There is an artist um, named Jake Bartok uh, on Twitter. I believe it's uh, at JK Bartok. He's been doing art of High Republic characters uh, the last few weeks, and he's been doing an amazing job. I've been retweeting some work and just kind of sharing it here and there. He did one print a few weeks ago with essentially all of the named Jedi's uh, Jedi's hashtag fake fan uh, uh, with all of the like named Jedi that are in like light of the Republic and in the two other uh, into the dark and test of courage, kind of like all in one image. And uh, it, it's, it's really helpful, especially for light of the Jedi concerning how many characters there are to kind of put faces to those names. Um, and this week he, uh, he did a piece with um, Orla Jereni, who is one of the Jedi characters from uh, Into the Dark. She's got this really cool, you know, kind of like folded lightsaber, kind of like the Dark Side Ray in um, The Rise of Skywalker, but it's a white blade. It's beautiful artwork. Um, go check him out there. He's doing fantastic stuff. And um, lastly, for news, you know, we're not going to get too much into this, um, but it is news and it is something that we should bring up um, briefly. Um, we did see that uh, Gina Carano was let go from Star Wars this week. She is no longer in Star Wars employ. Um, and you know, we're not going to get into the weeds as far as the politics and all of that stuff that go along with something like this. Um, but she is off the show. She was supposed to have had her own show, uh, at some point, which may or may not have been, uh, Rangers of the new Republic. As I understand it, it might've been something completely separate, but if I can pose a question for you guys, um, regarding the character of Cardoon. Mm. Um, what, do you, what do you guys think they should do? Should they just recast? Or do you think they'll write her off the show? I got, uh, I've been thinking about this, actually. Because, you know, obviously, I have no problem with Cardoon. Uh, Cardoon is not Gina Carano. Cardoon did nothing. So here's the thing. I think, um, I think what happens is you put her into, write her off in a way, write her off into a situation to where she doesn't have to be in the show any longer and then make her a book and comic book character. I think, uh, I don't think she needs to die. That's, that's what I think. Do you have any thoughts, Eden? That's how I feel too. I mean, she could die if that's good for the story. It, it could be really, you know, emotional, um, if it happens at a really rough time, then, mm. but she's, I think she should disappear somehow in the yeah. show. Um, they need to write it in. Yeah. Make it work. There's, there's more story to be told for the character, but what do you think, Rick? Honestly, any exploration into the character should be backwards looking. Episode Season one didn't give us a lot about her backstory. They gave us kind of little seeds and season two, you know, that conversation she has with, uh, Carson Teva about Alderaan and, you know, Mm -hmm. did you lose anybody and that kind of stuff paints a really, really interesting picture for the character. And I think the character itself should be explored more because obviously there's storytelling there. I mean, you know, there's, there's no merit or value in completely erasing the character. Mm -hmm. Um, especially considering that, you know, they, they did build in some, um, some story elements there. And I, I do think it's worth, you know, exploring, you know, I was thinking about it too with um, Adam Christopher's upcoming book, uh, which we don't know anything about. Um, you know, whether or not Cara Dune would have had a role in that, and you know, it wouldn't change anything in the story because you can visualize the character any way you want to. You know, at, at this point, you know, Gina Carano's face is the character until 
you know, or if there is a recast. Um, but yeah, no, I, the character in and of itself, I think should have some story expansion, but I don't know how much of that story needs to be going forward. You know what I mean? Like I, I never felt like Cardoon was that seminal to the series as it was. I mean, she was very much, you know, she was part of the team, but you know, even like uh, Grieve Karga, they, they come in at points of convenience or, or necessity. You know and what I mean? Like they're definitely they, expendable. Yeah. I mean, you know, the core of the story was, was Mando and Grogu and, you know, there are definitely other things that they can explore, but they never felt like they were, you know, central to any one piece of storytelling for, for that core. So yeah, explore more of the character. And, uh, you know, if, if that means, you know, book or comic book space, anybody who knows me knows that I'm going to buy the shit anyway. So, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, I don't have much skin in the game as far as that is concerned, but, uh, yeah, you know, if, if they, if they do more, I'm here for it. And if they don't, oh, well, yeah, know, yeah, is what it is. And, and for what it's worth, it's a way for them to say, you know, well, here, here's the story. It had its beginnings in whatever point in the past and it had its end in the Mandalorian or shortly thereafter, if they, you know, whatever they want to give the character, because, you know, at this point, it almost becomes like a point of vendetta to say, well, the character got killed off. You know what I mean? Like, that's a way of personalizing the story to the real world that doesn't really need to happen. Right. Um, so, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, either, you know, recast or just cap off the story in a way that does justice to the character without making it seem like it's a personal attack against the actress. Even though my feelings on the matter, you know what I mean? I'm going to keep all of that stuff. I mean, but you see me on Twitter, you know how I feel, but I'm not putting that. I'm not going to do that in the show. So, um, but yeah, give the character, you know, a story. The character, you know, ha- has enough building blocks to work off of. So, right on. Well, that's about it for news, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, we got a little, a little time since this was a, a light news week. We've, uh, I'm pretty excited to say this because it's been a little while, but we got some of that good old Coddling chatter. Yay. You must contact me. Yay, indeed. Yeah. And it's from one of your favorite people. Yay. It's going to get a little crazy, guys. I'm telling you, it's... Oh. Brace yourself. This this guy, this man... <laughs> well, just, just listen to his music real quick. I got a bad feeling about this. Hello, Jam Transmissions crew. This is Chris King. Just calling you all. It's been a while. Uh, apologies. I think that one of my uh, last voicemails, or no, it was an email that I sent. I sent from the delivery room. My wife was getting ready to have a baby, and I, I said something along the lines of, I, wife's about to have a baby, you guys. Um, I'm sure that's not going to affect anything and I'm just going to continue to keep writing and emailing and, uh, and, and voicemailing in just like normal and nothing's going to change and, uh, talk to you soon. And then, um, obviously that didn't happen. So I'll go on record and say that is the first time that I've ever called into a, uh, jam transmissions podcast and, got the prediction wrong that that would be the number one first time probably only time but hey i'll admit it when i'm wrong i'm wrong so anyway 
I am driving right now, and so this is going to sound a little bit like a Johnny Orms podcast. Apologies for that. I'll try to tame <laughs> down the blinker usage. Uh, but anyway, welcome, Rick. I know it's a little belated. Congratulations on being um, Pete and Eden's favorite child, um, pretty much. Oh. It's, it's kind of how it felt. It's at least, that's how it felt to me, at least. <laughs> A little bit. I'm over it now. It's okay. Everything's fine. Thanks, Chris. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't understand why uh, Pete wouldn't have wanted to turn the show into a uh, like hour long speculation podcast. You know, with with intelligent speculation. Um, the he whole sounds time. jealous. I don't know why. It sounded that sounds like it would be great to me. But anyway, anyway, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, totally fine. Just joking. Anyway, so. Got some speculation talk. Um, my my like my speculation gauge is on like overload with with Baby Yoda Grogu theory. Which, by the way, that's one of them. What if Grogu's not really his name and Ahsoka was just joking? Wouldn't that be? What, and the next time we see Ahsoka, she's just like, ah, that's not really his name. You've been calling what? him that, you dorks. That'd be kind of funny. But. Uh, okay, so so I, I'll 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 kind of I'll try to tame it down a little bit. But <laughs> what about uh, please? Don't. So so he goes off with Luke, right? Uh, spoiler warning: everybody <laughs> knows that already, though. But so he goes off with Luke, and we know what happens to Luke's Jedi Temple. So I've got two theories of what is his what is Grogu's fate. So number one. It could be just like Luke's training. So Luke is off with Yoda and Yoda and Obi-Wan are like, hey, you need to stay here. Don't don't go off and save your friends. You're probably gonna die. And and then there and then Luke's like, no, no, I'm going. I'm I'm not listening to you all. I am going. So what if the same thing happens and uh, Grogu can sense like adolescent Grogu can sense that that Dinjarin is in huge danger. And he's got to leave his training to go save him. And mm-hmm. Luke's like, that's stupid. Don't do that. You need to stay here because you haven't mastered your abilities yet. You know? And then he leaves. And then Kylo... Ben Solo does his thing and and destroys everything. So that's one theory. And that would be about right because Luke, you know, Luke used his attachment, which is supposedly forbidden. But Luke's attachment is to to his friends is the reason he left his training and it's also the reason he converted his father back to the the good side of the force so grogu has attachment to dinjarin right so it make would make sense to me uh so there's one theory and uh, theory number two and i'm sorry eden because i know you you kind of like little grogu but um you remember when we see luke in the force awakens at the very end and we see him and and he's standing. In, you remember what he's standing in front of? He's standing in front of like a like a tombstone kind of looking thing. Oh. Maybe maybe he's mourning somebody. Who knows? Who knows who Damn it is? You, who knows who it is? I don't know who it is. How dare you? But I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, that's all. I've taken up enough of your show. Thanks for listening to my email, guys. I um, heard my shout out a few a few days ago, and I just want to say, you guys, really thank you for including uh, all of your jam transmissions buddies in in your calm lake chatter it really uh it, it, it's it's awesome for people like me that just don't have time for a podcast 
uh, and only have time to listen, I can piggyback on your hard work and it, you know, it means a lot. The community aspect of your podcast means a lot to people like me. So Aww. appreciate it. Keep up the, keep up the good work. Even you, Rick. Mm. Uh, yeah, awesome addition to the show, man. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, thanks y'all. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Chris. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to hear from you, man. And and no, 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 no. Thank you, man. Thank you for for joining in the conversation with us. You know, when Jam Transmissions first started and all the way up until today's 98th episode, the desire was to create a or not to create, but to provide an an ability for people to interact with one another, to make a community. And there are so many of, of our listeners out there, and whether you listen, whether you call in or write in or not, I I can feel you through the force. You know, we're <laughs> all we're all here together, and it's just so cool. And and uh, yeah, be like Chris and send us in some comlink chatter, man. So we got a little bit to tackle. Has Chris ever been on the show? Not yet. Can we have Chris on the show? Mostly just want to hear him like rag on on Rick the whole time. I don't know. Let's it's ask really Rick. What, what do you think, Rick? <laughs> um, well, that voicemail was so long. Unfortunately, we'll talk to you guys uh, next week's uh, 99 <laughs> Star Wars Day. So happy Valentine's No. Um, whatever. Whatever, Chris. I, I don't have much to say. Just keep your 10 and 2, 9 and 3, whatever. Keep your eyes on the road. You know? Use your blinker if needed, man. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Stick so your arm Chris, out the window. Chris Chris lied first, like right right from the get go. Oh. He said that um in the in in the what do you call it? the I don't know about babies. What <laughs> anyways, in the hospital room uh-huh. where the baby was was being born. Uh-huh. He said, Oh, I'm just gonna keep on doing this and it's gonna be normal. And then like Two thousand years later, he finally sends in a voicemail, and then he said it was the first time that he was wrong in a prediction. But I seem to remember a time where he said that uh, we would learn that Ray's mom was in fact Zori Bliss. Zori Bliss, remember he said? Yes, that? I do. Oh, it was so wrong. That was so, so ridiculous. So wrong. Oof. I do like his uh, Grogu pulling a Luke and coming back and helping out the Mando and right. Because he has, he has an attachment to Din. Yeah. And Luke would be okay with that because he was motivated by his attachments to his friends when he left Dagobah. And, um, I don't know. I feel like if I had a theory about Grogu's fate upon the destruction of Luke's temple, I would say that he, you know, got met back up with, with Din again. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's happened. Grogu did not die. There is no possible way. Look, think about it. Disney wouldn't do that. There is no way. Because Grogu, look, they're doing Star Wars in a way that it reaches out to several different types of people, age, all different backgrounds. Grogu is really that hook for the kids. And for for us as well, because we're little kids too. But, you know, he's cute. He's a cute little... Like, I, I had a guy at work who's never watched Star Wars. He says that his daughters that don't watch Star Wars is like, oh, Grogu's so cute. 
you can't do that to those girls. No, to you, those young you boys, kill, to me, you, you can't, can't do that to me. You can't kill Baby Yoda because no. Baby Yoda has brought so many people into Star Wars and will yes. continue to do so forever. You just, you just can't. I think I would have a problem with that I, if they killed Grogu without allowing him to grow in that story. To, to That'd be awful. No, I, I think I would. I think I would have a problem with that. You weigh in on this a little bit, Rick, before we get into the book. Um. Okay. So. While both of your theories are sound theories, Chris, I'm going to counter with another theory. Oh. And I'm going to say that Luke is in a very kind of precarious state at this time in the galaxy. And assuming that Grogu is the first of his new students, doesn't want to repeat any of the mistakes of the past. So what he does is something absolutely insane. And he does like insane in the membrane, you might even say. <laughs> and what he does is he erases Grogu's 50-year memory so that any attachments that he did have are now gone and he can kind of start him over. But then... What the f***? Everything, <laughs> everything proceeds almost to the letter like it did in Luke's life, okay? And to the point where Grogu does feel that pull to help take care of some things and he senses... Din Djarin's presence and they get into a fight little baby little teenage Grogu is hanging off of like I don't know a curb something that's kind of high for him but not too high and then <laughs> in that moment Grogu tells him something like you know um, I've never known anybody like you in my past and I'm gonna kill you with my force ice rays from my hands and um, then Din Djarin pulls off his helmet and he says, but I am your father. We're a clan of two. And then the Ewoks dance somewhere in the galaxy. And then they just, yeah, you know, and Zori Bliss and Din Djarin, um, get together and they make a baby in the name of Ray. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like Chris King is on the episode right now. <laughs> That was amazing. This just the stream of consciousness of absolute absurdity. <laughs> I'm gonna start writing my own fanfic. So you know. <laughs> please do. Yeah, we'll include that in the show notes. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll you know all get together on the show and read it out loud in funny voices. There you go. There you go. That's the next step. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. What do you guys say that we get into a test of courage? Let's do this, man. Well, just uh, let's let's go ahead and start this off, even though we're, you know, we didn't spoil anything. We might as well give some uh, spoiler free impressions real quick. Let's just kind of make it simple and give our um, number out of 10 rating out of 10 and maybe like our favorite character. Who wants to go first on this one? Um, I'll give it an, a nine. I liked it a lot. Like for what it was, it's not I'm not comparing this book to like other great masterpieces of star Wars fiction because it's in its own little kids category. Um, but as far as kids star Wars books and just overall, it, it was, it was great. I really liked it. Um, favorite character. I love, I love Avon Staros. Mm. I love her so much. She is awesome. Mm. What about you, Rick? What's your rating? Uh, on a 10, I think I give this one about an eight, maybe, um, a marginally high eight. And, uh, the only reason why I don't give it a higher rating is that like 
and this isn't anything really against the book, but not really being the target audience. You know, there's some things that are, I don't know, I kind of wish were a little bit longer fleshed out, but again, mm-hmm. that's just kind of my own bias. So um, I did, I really, really enjoy this book. It is a lot of fun. There are some uh, lighter moments in the book, and then there's some very heavy, heavy thematic mm-hmm. things that go on in this book, um, which I, I really enjoy. I like those, those um, explorations. And uh, if I had to pick a favorite character from this book, I remember reading one of the excerpts early on, and uh, he's become a favorite to me, even though he's not in the book for very much. Jedi Master Douglas Sunvale has one of the most beautiful names in all of Star Wars, and anybody who says otherwise is uh, out of their minds because justice for Jedi Master Doug um, <laughs> but I, I think of our core, uh, characters, I, you know what the, I have to go with, um, I think Vernestra Rowe, she's, um, she embodies a lot of qualities that, uh, I think, um, the Jedi should strive for at this point in her life. So, but I won't say any more than that. Cause we got some more discussing to do. Pete, what about you? I'm somewhere between a six and a seven out of 10 on mm-hmm. this one. Um, you know, Rick, you said that the reason that you didn't give your score, um, make your score any higher is because you weren't the target audience, right? I'm 33 years old reading a book for, for six to eight to 12, however old for kids. And so it Same. just, it just didn't hit with me personally. <laughs> no, I totally understand. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really like the book very mm-hmm. much. I didn't hate the book. I enjoyed the story, but, um, I had issues with the pacing a little bit, but I think that the, that disconnect between the target audience and who I am as an audience is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So that's on me. That's not on the book. That's why I'm giving it a seven, like a higher end of the six to seven. Um, just, just out of fairness and understanding sure. of that. Uh, favorite character, Avon Staros. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her lovely little mad scientist. Yeah. She's pretty fun. It totally makes sense. You know, the main characters are 12 and 14 and 16. So, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. All right, guys, let's uh, let's dive in. Spoiler warning out of the way. OK, how are we going to do this today? I have some questions and things that I'm interested in talking about. OK. The biggest one being. Why is it so bad that Vernestra doesn't have a typical typical lightsaber. Like we got that in the excerpt <laughs> ahead of time. And there's this like sense that, oh, your lightsaber isn't normal. It's something that the Sith have used in the past and other people. So you could inherently be, and she feels bad about it. Like she built this thing herself. Like she, it seems really impressive, like what she did and how she made it. But then she was like ashamed of it. She's not ashamed of anything, but she's ashamed of that. I don't get it. I think, I think the Emery's kind of looking, you know, kind of sidelong at her for having a, a, a light whip is kind of like um, it's laying down the foundation of what we would later get as like kind of dog, dogmatic views of the Jedi. Mm-hmm, okay. That just says that like, oh, well, that's something from the past and you you can't you can't do that or you can't have that anymore. Okay. You know what I mean? It's something I think it's I think it's meant to be something more emblematic of that. Because on its on the surface, I think it's really cool that she has it. You know, mm-hmm. she in the book it's explained that she had like a like a forced dream that told her that she should do that. And, 
you know, and she defends herself to Emery saying that, like, I don't think the force would steer me wrong in having me do this. And I mean, it ended up working out to her benefit a couple of times um, in, mm-hmm. you know, cutting a path through, you know, the jungles of Weevo. And then later on, you know, dealing with Emery himself when they, they have kind of their, their fight at the end, towards the end of the book. Um, so I, I, I think underlyingly that's what, that's what it's about. And I think some of that also kind of reads into Emery's kind of on the surface, like his misunderstandings of things, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, well, again, kind of like he's emblematic of that dogmatic view of like, well, they, they told us we can't do that. And he's just going to adhere to that, um, because he doesn't understand it. And he also, you know, it's explained that he doesn't really have the same kinds of connections to the force that Vernestra does. Right. Um, so the fact that she, and this is something I think we discussed with Light of the Jedi, um, there maybe there's this mistrust of visions of the force. And that's something that um, uh, Jedi Master Doug told him, you know, to kind of be wary of visions, maybe not uh, afraid of, but just kind of be wary how things are interpreted and you know she had a very literal interpretation of this thing to say make your blade this way i I think also um emory's reaction to the light whip comes from a place of jealousy as well like Mm -hmm. i agree Mm -hmm. with everything that you're saying about the uh, dogmatic aspect of you know this is how you do it Mm -hmm. and there is no other way if you do it any other way that's wrong right and or if you do it the wrong way then you're done and you're cut out he's so afraid of being cut out of the jedi order i think he's also very jealous of her because they're so close right. in the same age mm-hmm. and when he sees things and differences between uh him and her um that just kind of uh widens the gap mm-hmm. and um I, th- I think it's just jealousy. I, th- I think he's got a problem with it because he doesn't have one and he doesn't know how to make one and his lightsaber sucks. Yeah, he he can't even... Isn't it together? It, it's it, got this little thin strip ugh. that comes out of it, which was kind of hard to imagine. It's kind of a mess. But yeah, it's... Yeah. Vernestra is such, such a good Jedi. I was reading an interview with... Uh, the first excerpt, there was an interview with Justina Ireland and she says... Describes her her precious cinnamon roll Jedi like she is the cinnamon roll Jedi. Yeah, that, just that threw perfect. us for a loop when she said that. I remember that, Rick. Do you? We're like, what the yeah, hell absolutely. is a cinnamon roll Jedi? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is perfect and precious, and you just want to like cradle her to your to your face and just make sure that everything is okay. Because you want to is... eat her with a fork while she's still hot. <laughs> <laughs> She's sweet and precious. <laughs> she's everything a Jedi should be. Always. So I also want to talk about how Vern and Avon are awesome. Like, they're the heroines. They're clearly really good at everything they do. They're really brave. They just jump into danger. They're like, I don't care what's going to happen. I can do this. That's that's awesome. It was really exciting. And, like, the boys are all scared and timid and afraid and worried. And that was just a really nice contrast mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The girls are badass and the boys are babies. Exactly. Yeah, that's um It was it was great. Much needed. They had switch. to save those boys like several, several times. Yeah. The the biggest like um difference between the two like the, the two pairs of them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Emery and um honesty both had like very personal losses. 
Yes. Um, due to the events at the beginning of the of the book. Um, and for just to kind of recap it, uh, two Nile, I don't know, soldiers or whatever, uh, Gwishi and Klinith, they uh, sabotage the ship that they're on the steady wing and it blows up and everybody dies except for uh, our four core characters. And um, Emery's master, the best Jedi master ever, Jedi Master Doug, and uh, Honesty's father, uh, who is an ambassador of the, of the from the planet Dalna? Um, they both die in the uh, in the shipwreck. So, you know, they're experiencing this really hard loss, and that's kind of like the you know kind of like the big emotional core of the story is kind of how, how they're dealing with all of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, through that, you know, honesty is like wrestling with the idea of loss. Like that's the heavy thematic stuff. Is like he's dealing with this the death of his father. And, you know, how he's going to kind of move on from that. And he has these regrets about not being a better son and things like that. And um, Emery is, you know, falling into this well of vengeance. You know, he wants some kind of revenge against the Nile for um, for killing his master. Not again, not for anybody else that died on the ship, specifically just his master because of the connection that he had. And, you know, while while they represent kind of the impulsive side of, you know, our own kind of humanities in, you know, giving into anger and stuff like that. Yeah. Vern and Avon are more the, the, uh, the calculated, um, you know, let's weigh our options kinds of thing, mm-hmm. um, to kind of, to kind of balance them out. I feel like they were raised that way. Like now that you're laying it out the way you are like Avon, I don't think she knows the last time she saw her mom and, Vern has been on her own as a Jedi Knight for quite a, you know, a while. She's gotten used to that and she's already had to take care of other people. Whereas the, the boys haven't had, they've had people taking care of them this whole time. And now suddenly they're mm-hmm. cut off mm-hmm. and they're alone. Whereas the, the girls have had to rely on themselves and each other for quite a while and haven't really had parental f- figures or parents around very much at all. Yeah. You know, and it, that goes to that, kind of the old thinking with what Anakin needed in a master from Mm Obi-Wan was more of a father figure than a brother figure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see that with Emery, you know, his attachment with, with uh, master Doug, I'm just gonna start calling him Doug from now on um, (laughs) was, it was very patronly and, you know, he, you know, he very much respected the relationship that he had. I mean, to the point where he, he doesn't know how he's going to be able to go on without him. And, you know, he's almost, you know, shutting off the idea of there are plenty of other Jedi masters or knights that could take him under his wing and guide him along. You know, he just, he just feels completely alone uh, to the pat, you know, to, to the point where they end up acting uh, very stupidly and prematurely once it's discovered that uh, the two Nile um, are essentially shipwrecked on Weevil with them, which that mm-hmm. whole thing with, um, with Vernestra uh, pushing the boulder and it end up going into their ship and like, that's the reason why they're shipwrecked. Cause I remember the first time reading and being like, Oh, well that's convenient. And then, you know, afterwards, you know, Vern sa- Vernestra says, um, you know, it almost seems like the force is trying to act in our favor since that happened. They're, they're giving us the opportunity to make things right by, by stranding them here with us. There was a bit of interesting force lore in this book. And, uh, you, you might be able to sit there and say, Oh, well that was convenient, you know, as a, as a criticism for that. But it, it certainly is interesting. It's good for the story to have them land on this planet. But there was reason for the planet because there wasn't that many habitable planets in there. And it was explained in the story. 
Um, these these pirates, these uh, Nile, I did like the way um, that they were portrayed. Um, and and since the High Republic is still kind of new to me, and and the Nile and and their different ranks, mm-hmm. uh, the storms and and such, um, I I can't remember exactly who is what in this in this particular thing, but they did name drop a big a big character in light of the Jedi mm-hmm. and they wanted to impress him. They wanted to impress him. It was very interesting though. It felt believable. These Nile felt very believable in comparison to what we got in light of the Jedi, yeah. which was something yeah. I was concerned about with it being a kid's book huh. and how ruthless and awful the Nile were. Ah. And they use gas and kill people. Like obviously mm-hmm. a bunch of people died in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that Star Wars has always always taken the step to include a lot of death in their storytelling, even that which is aimed at children. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, obviously the original movies were, were for kids. But what I'm saying is like Clone Wars, the TV show, how many clones got blown to bits all the freaking time? So yeah, it, it, I feel like it really makes a big impact when you consume a lot of Star Wars like we do. You really see just how many people die all kinds of people yeah both sides and innocent bystanders whole planets of of people whole planets yeah just and then contractors on death stars (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and then there's a kid's book like this and yeah a ton of people died and not very many people survived and those were the ones we focused on and that's the story but man Anyway, the Nile were were pretty interesting in this book, but they were also like just kind of regular people. I thought they felt like they were very low on the totem pole. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of the hierarchy of the Nile. And um, yeah, like you said, they're they're trying to impress Cassive. And um, you know, I remember reading the first excerpt back in maybe December, and we talked about it then. And I just remember feeling like, oh, well, these two are going to be kind of like these bumbling idiots who, because it's a kid's book and it kind of felt that way a little bit from that first excerpt. And again, we had very little context of what the Nile overall were like, except, you know, anything that was out promotionally to say like, they're bad people and they'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's this kid's book and they're just like, you know, Gwishy's like tripping over himself, you know, trying to blow stuff up. And it's like, I'm going to blow up their ship. And it just, it felt very light that way. um, Almost like comical. And then to see how that they're they're portrayed in this book, and you know how Justina writes kind of the destruction of the steady wing, um, she kind of doesn't pull any punches. You know, I mean, there's you know mm-hmm. bodies floating in space, and they have to fly through that uh, the debris field, and it's um, she she doesn't really pull any punches, and it's it is interesting when we think you know I mean I mean let's just go back to the beginning. You know, Luke's you know calling into this this larger adventure was you know his aunt and uncle dying and it wasn't like they were killed off screen and that was it you know they were killed off screen and then we just saw you know two flaming corpses in front of their moisture farm you know what i mean like so there was never much shying away from it and but i i do like that this book gets more into that the coping um, afterwards and kind of, you know, like the, what the emotional weight is of that loss, because we don't really see Luke do that in a new hope in regards mm-hmm. to his aunt and uncle. We see him do it with Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is a little strange because he kind of just met him, um, at least in context of the story that were presented so far, who knows if there's some kind of meeting in 
the Kenobi series with Luke and they cross paths at some point, but um, you know, there's, there's more emotion to his losing Obi-Wan than right. his aunt and uncle. And this book, you know, there's a, a ton of focus, you know, between honesty and Emery and their um, coping with uh, these losses. And that's one of the things I really enjoyed about this book is that it didn't shy away from that emotional, uh, you know, kind of, you know, fight for these two and, and how that can be used to, you know, guide their, their misjudgments, you know what I mean? in, in how they deal with things uh, later on in the book. Yeah. And it, it took Emery all the way towards, you know, being drawn in by the dark side um, and, and Fern having to pull him back. And we talk about that because that was I would, was not expecting that to happen. I wasn't expecting him to go that far or for it to get that far in this kind of book. Yeah, that fight. It's like they're, they they go they go in for the rescue and then it turns into. You know, I mean, it, 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 you, I, mean I don't know, I, I, I keep. I'm trying trying to not make comparisons to like the existing movies, but that's what we have to go on. Like it yeah, felt it. very much like the it felt very much like the end of Revenge of the Sith, where it's like used to be on the same side, and now they're at odds with each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of them is trying to save the other from a series of bad decisions, and you know, she obviously is she kind of bests him, but you know, it's his anger that's fueling him, and that's shown in the way his his lightsaber works. You know, it's mm-hmm. finally this full bright blue blade uh, say that three times fast and it's um uh their fight is while kind of brief on the page um there's it's intense there's it's a lot going very on very meaningful there. yeah so you know she does she's not you know again kind of very much like obi-wan you know she's not so much fighting him as she is trying to help him and he just doesn't understand that that's a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it from that lens. Uh, but it, you know, you know, that's it's obvious. I don't know why I hadn't. Um, I I did find it kind of surprising that he went all the way to the dark, mm-hmm. kind of like in the way that Ray did it. You know, like diving into the um, mm-hmm. the Force butthole, if you will, <laughs> yeah. and going all the way to the dark. He's an interesting character. I thought I thought for sure that he was going to become her apprentice that being Vernestra Rowe, uh, before he started to have his downward plunge. Hmm. Um, that that just kind of seemed very convenient. Like, oh, well, this is obviously going to happen. She doesn't have a Padawan. She's yeah. a Jedi Knight. He doesn't have a Master. This is where it's going to go. But he really had to grow and change and make some decisions about his reactions and his emotions to be able to become her Padawan to get there. Like he wasn't ready before he had that, that breakdown. I think he only had to make one decision at that point, And that was to stop his downward path. Yeah. And he, he went, he completely broke down. Yeah. Um, and, and when she agreed to take him, he was in complete shambles mm-hmm. in fear that he would have to start the trials or even be kicked out, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, that's it, it was only one decision and it, it it was interesting. But it's that decision that it's just this is all coming together so well cuz that's exactly like the quote that I pulled from the book for my last question. Um Jedi Master Skier the Trandoshan says being a Jedi is about choosing the light over and over again, making that decision over and over again and Imri finally has to learn that exactly that. You you can make mistakes, you just have to make the right choices, make the light choices um, continuously. You don't do it just once. You, that's what you, you keep doing that forever. That's being a Jedi. That's kind of like 
you know, again, going back to our discussion over Light of the Jedi, like how we felt um, Qui-Gon would have fit very well in this timeline, you know, because of what he says in Master and Apprentice, that you you choose the light because it's there to be chosen. Mm -hmm. It's the right thing to do. And it is a constant struggle, um, you know, trying to make the right decisions. But with Imri, it seemed like, you know, it is that immense loss that kind of uh, starts pushing him over the edge. But for him, like his understanding of the force is completely shattered in all of that. You know, his whole, like the tenets of his, you know, personal philosophies are just, they're, 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 they're gone uh, for, for a little while. And it's like, he feels like the force is acting against its own balance um, in that, you know, he's, he does, you know, it's like how in the real world, you know, we ask questions of like, you know, well, and I'm just going to use this as just a general question, but like when people say things like, well, how can there be a God when there's so many bad things that happen in the world? You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's that same thing. Like, well, how can there be a light side of the force when he took my master from me? You know what I mean? The, the force took my master from me. And it's a very selfish way of looking at it. And it's a lot of ways that we kind of interpret death in the real world to say like, you know, if there is this higher, higher power, how is that part of, you know, the higher powers plan? And, you know, you get that, you know, scare also saying, well, the force works in mysterious ways kind of thing that we hear in the real world. And again, it, it does boil down to those repeated decisions of, you know, trying to do the right thing. But to, uh, you know, the, the, one of the things that shows Imri's, his inabilities to grasp the learning moments that are being presented in front of him is that he complains about this imbalance, but he's not doing anything to bring the balance. He's just allowing himself to fall farther and farther into his own despair and into his own anger. And he, like, he's resigning himself to like this perceived, you know, um, unnatural state that, you know, the, the, the force is in, like he, he's not recognizing that there is a balance, but, and he's, he has to, but that he has to be a part of it. You know, he has to be willing to, you know, kind of tip the scales toward more towards the light and, you know, and, and put in the work to make the change on his own, instead of just saying, you know, the force is light by virtue of its own existence. And, you know, we're Jedi and we're beacons of that light by virtue of our own existence. Right. You know, it's, he's unwilling to put in the work to make things right until he literally gets slapped in the hand with a light whip by Vern saying, knock it off, dummy. I'm here to help you. Stop fighting me. This is a, this is a really deep, in-depth uh, force and just emotional discussion for a, for a kid's book. Yeah. Right? It, it was really good. It was really well done. I'm and looking it, forward to reading it again. Yeah. Avon and uh, her droid J6. Is it, was it J6? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such good, such good comic relief. I love that droid. One, can I? Are, are we almost ready to wrap up the discussion? Because I have a totally out of context quote that I want to share. Go for it. <laughs> this this whole podcast is often uh, out of context quotes, so it's perfect. Yeah, it's what I'm <laughs> thanks, here for. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris King, for that. <laughs> uh, I, uh, well, I guess who would you rec- guys recommend this book to? Like who hmm. that you know directly or who in general is a Star Wars fan, would you recommend it to? Because I don't have specifics. I'm like, it's Star Wars. Everyone should read it. <laughs> well, pretty much everybody I know on Twitter has already read it. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> um, but if I I would I would recommend it to um a parent who has a kid in the right age group mm-hmm. that's trying to get hey, into Star Wars. Right. There you go. Rick, you should have <laughs> Isaac read this book. <laughs> <It's>... 
I I told him that when I'm done with my second reading that he's uh, that he's going to read it. He's got you know some other books that he's going through right now, and he got a ton of books for his birthday last week. Aww, um, so when so when good. he gets the t- yeah, that's like what we encourage books for his birthday all the time. Oh, he, he he does a lot of reading, so yeah. So when whenever he gets the time, I'm you know. I'm going to tell him, hey, this book is autographed by the author, so like, don't go taking it in the bathroom with you. But um, you know, <laughs> you can you can go ahead and read it because uh, I think for kids of Isaac's age, um, I, like I say, he he just turned eleven. Like he's mm-hmm. this is right in his wheelhouse. You know, there's the level of understanding for you know kids of his age and maturity. It's very easy because it is all on the surface. And then there's you know the nerds like us that are like, well, what are they really trying to say? And we get into all the forest lore stuff, and we had start a podcast about books. You know, speaking of, of of the fact that 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 copy of of your book is autographed by Justina Ireland, um, I, did you guys see that she was doing a a contest where she got her author copies and was going to give ten of them away? Um, all you had to do is comment with a pun. And, and I, I saw I saw what I saw what you wrote, Pete. I saw it. Tell Why us. didn't you like it? Because Tell it was amazing. I don't, I don't know. I, I hate to say it, like as a dad, I can't, I rolled my own eyes. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to come back to this later on, <laughs> but I do want to acknowledge that I did at least see it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys the pun that I did. It was a high Republic. It was a test of courage pun. Mm-hmm. And it, re- it relates to the one-eyed Aqualish in this book. And it said, I really wish she'd give me a copy. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's good. That's it's pretty awesome. good. I don't even have kids. <laughs> if you don't get, if you don't, if you don't win one co- a copy of these books, I'm starting a petition. I swear. Oh, that I've already I, lost. I mean, it is good, but I. Oh, yeah, it's okay. My my favorite quote yeah, from the book is when Avon Starro says, "Don't be mad, Vern. I wanted to give you and Emery a chance to use the Force before I fixed our problems with science." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, she, I she's, love that girl. <laughs> yeah, she's she's hilarious. You know what's really interesting is she exhibited a lot of strength in this book, and and mm-hmm. they explain her her inner struggle. But the fact that I don't know if this is healthy or not, but it, she certainly doesn't seem to be having a hard time with it. But just kind of pushing the stress away to the side to focus on what needs to happen at hand. And, and I what think she that, can do, what she can yeah. fix. I think that's the kind of thing that creates heroes in real bad situations mm-hmm. in real life and in fiction. But, but she was a fascinating little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is she? Nine, 10, something like that. She was 14. What? Was it? No, she was 12. 12 she was one of the 12, 12 years old. Her right, and honesty right. were 12. And then the other two were 15, 14, 16, 14. Yeah. I had all these ages mixed up. I, <laughs> It, as I was reading it, they all kind of just slowly became the same, same like sort of general fourteen-ish yeah. age. But yeah, I liked it. How much do you think Emery is going to be explored in future books, and how much would you guys like to see him explored? Okay, I hope we'll see more of him and Vern, their little dynamic duo. That'll be great. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of story to tell for Emery because you know like it's discussed in his book, you know, that that struggle is not going to go away for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we don't, there is no quote unquote dark side at this point. And if it's something that happens internally with the Jedi, I mean, that presents kind of its own, you know, like a fascinating look for, you know, for them to be at their peak and have somebody within their ranks that, you know, that falls. Yeah. I, I would like to see it as well. Um, there's definitely room for interesting storytelling. I still can't believe he went all the way to the dark like that just so quickly, but it makes sense. It's a good call for what can happen when there are too many attachments and you're surrounded by 
something that tells you it's wrong, you know? And I think that that also is a, is a reflection of the environment in a way that it's so, um, all encompassing that that is, if he wasn't a Jedi, he wouldn't have been so impacted by that attachment and the loss of Douglas. I think I that think. I, think, I think that's one of the best things about this book, you know, given it's, you know, who the target audience is to have something like that, you know, kind of uh, explored, you know, for kids to see, you know, this uh, like kind of coming of age story and what it means to try to define yourself, you know, be it through your surroundings or through circumstance, you know, these kids, by, by the end of this story, they all know their role. You know, everything for them changes. You know, Vernestra is, you know, kind of, uh, she's a very fresh Jedi Knight uh, in the beginning of this thing, and she's thrust into a leadership role. And, you know, Avon, yeah, she's she is this, you know, the techie hands-on, I need to know how things work. She's thrown into a completely natural environment away from, you know, technology. You know, she has to learn how to work within the confines of, of the natural world. And Imri, you know, we talked enough about him to know that, you know, he fell from this, you know, this place of, you know, being, you know, for lack of a better term in like master Doug's bosom to, you know, having to go out into the rest of the world on his own and understand his own place in it. And honesty, you know, being the son of an ambassador who was told him his whole life that dipl- like diplomacy and negotiations are the things that will get you where you need to be you know, don't strive to be the warrior all the t- all the time, um, because there are alternatives to fighting. And I think we've heard that somewhere else in Star Wars before. So, mm-hmm. you know, this book, it gives a really, really cool exploration of character that is really, really easy to digest for, you know, kids, you know, eight to 12, which is, you know, I think kind of the target audience. That was a fantastic summary. I just have to, I just have to say that was really well done, sir. Bravo. Thank you. No, I agree with everything that you said. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it has this conversation has me not rethinking my score, but um, it's it's kind of created a, a desire to read it again. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm in the middle of Into the Dark at mm-hmm. the moment, uh, taking my time with that. And I think I have to finish Shadowfall and then in the March, I'm going to be reading Victory's Price. But I think somewhere in there be a second reading of A Test of mm-hmm. Courage. And it'll be like a relaxing read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's another uh, positive aspect of this is in this busy, busy world that we live in, a short book like this where, you know, three paragraphs is a page mm-hmm. is e- easily digestible. Mm-hmm. And that, that is pretty good. Well, I tell you what, guys, this has been a great conversation. Any final thoughts before we start closing out? Uh, you know, the, the only thing I want to say, you know, kind of at this point is I, I love how these books work in concert with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of questions of like, well, what's the proper reading order? And, you know, obviously the light of the Jedi is probably the way to go as far as your introductions. But, you know, as of right now, a test of courage and into the dark can be read kind of whenever Definitely. because they ha- they happen concurrently. It's not like one happens before the other. Um, we see overlaps in these stories, you know, where this book ends with the dedication of Starlight Beacon. And then there's a slight epilogue with a new villain named Kara Zhu. I believe is uh, is uh, this character's name. You know, there, there's lots of little seeds and tendrils that are that are planted all throughout all three of these books, and uh, it a little it, bit of I, a little bit of plant foreshadowing there. 
Yeah, I didn't <laughs> want to say nothing. I didn't. I didn't want to say nothing because it would have seemed a little. Anyway, thank you. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get you know, like we we said in during the Light of the Jedi uh, review, you know, it is. Um, it's amazing to think how much planning and foresight went into yes, all of exactly. this before they started typing anything out or writing anything out, and it, mm-hmm. it shows in how these stories are constructed and how they overlay. Same thing with the comic books; um, they all fit in so well with each other. Bravo, Star Wars! Yeah, and High Republic gang. I can't tell you how many times I've said this in the in the two plus years we've been podcasting, but. This is a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Yeah, <laughs> it's it just, is. It's just, it's just so good. So the High Republic has me hyped. Uh, this book was pretty good. It seems like we all really enjoyed it, and we hope you guys enjoyed our thoughts on it, and we hope that you'll send us your thoughts on it. Um, a little bit of comlink chatter. Be like Chris. That's comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K, at jamtransmissions.com. Now, here are some of the other ways that you can interact with us as well. You can follow Jam Transmissions on Twitter at JTcomlink, where we retweet other great shows you should be listening to, plus the big news of the week. We also like to post pictures of our acquisitions. We do live streams of Star Wars games like The Old Republic, as well as we post topics for upcoming episodes. Now, as for our personal accounts, you can find me on Twitter at Venom, tweeting about comic books, sports, and all my other nerdy fandoms. Eden, how can people interact with you? Um, you can send me a snail mail letter. Yeah. yeah. DM us and ask for the address. <laughs> I mean, I'll send you back a, like a dinosaur valentine or, you know, a Japanese stationery letter. Well, there you go. I, that would be fantastic. Yeah, no no social media for Eden and uh, snail mail. Hit us up. DM at JTcomlink mm-hmm. on Twitter. What about you, Rick? How can people find you? Uh, you know, everybody, you guys can all find me on Twitter at Cad Bane's Bounty. And, um, you know, that's where um, I get to be me virtually. All right, guys, like I said before, you got to direct all of your emails and voicemails to comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K at jamtransmissions.com, and we will read them or play them on the show. And if you want to help us out, guys, it's easy. All you got to do is tell your friends about the show so that we can keep on building our corner of the community and continue to make this show the positive and listener interactive podcast that we intend it to be. Just tell them to go to jamtransmissions.com or they can find us on most podcatchers and definitely on Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And if anyone wants to find the links to any of the articles or news that we mentioned today, you can find them all in the show notes. And a quick reminder, guys, this was episode 98. We're closing in on that big one zero zero. So guys, if you want to be a part of that and help us celebrate, send us some com link chatter. If you forgot the email address, even though I said it twice already, it will also be in the show notes. And that's going to be it for our 98th Star Wars Day. We hope you all have enjoyed the show today, and we can't wait to hear from you next time. I say this to all of our friends and listeners out there, as well as my co-hosts, Rick Villanueva and Eden Gray. May the Force be with you. Hashtag for light and life.
I have spoken. <laughs>